It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 25th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking just, forward to our study. Just flew in today. We're glad to have you back. Yeah, my arms are so tired. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Anthony's behind the control. Anthony, uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. Thanks. Glad to be here. Look forward to hearing from you. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you, our listeners, on the other side of the line tonight at 877-381-4567. You can email questions at collegeview. Dot com And uh, the chat room is open to the bottom of your video feed there tonight. And the listeners are filling in there. I see Chris in UK and John in uh, Oklahoma and uh, Arthur in Kalioka. So there. Randy's there in Michigan. Michigan. Wow. We're spread about tonight. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a great opportunity. We want you guys to participate too because we really got just a talk to do tonight. This is just, this is just more of a of a general talk than, than dealing with a specific So the subject. stakes are high. If you don't talk, you have to listen to us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you need to join in. Yeah. I saw an article this week, Jacob, that I that I just kind of struck a chord with me, and I thought uh, it, it really seemed appropriate. This is an old article uh, that I saw in a rather ancient uh, publication, and it, w- it, it discussed – the six woes that Isaiah pronounced against Judah yeah. in Isaiah chapter 5. And the, the gist of this was this writer was saying it sure seemed to him like Isaiah could have been speaking to the United States. Now, he was writing about 30 or 35 years ago. So if if he thought that the, the woes of Isaiah were appropriate for America then, he would really think so now. But I, it just sort of struck a chord with me, and I thought – you know, that, that would be worthy of us discussing on the virtual Bible study. All right. So do you want to give those woes now, or do you want to hit them as we go as we look down through Isaiah chapter 5? Well, to our update list earlier today, we just sort of summarized the six woes of Isaiah chapter 5. And then we ask uh, you, and we'll be asking you throughout the program, to to uh, reply in regards to how you see these things are, are certainly characterized in America today. Give examples if you can. That's what we would really like. Give some examples of, of how these things might happen. Number one, value property more than God, a materialistic outlook on yes, life yes. from verses 8 mm-hmm. and 9. We'll read these verses when we get to them. Live for partying and drinking, mm-hmm. verses 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Scoff at sin and judgment, verses 18 and 19. Call evil good and good evil, verse 20. Yep. Wise in their own, They are wise in their own eyes, verse 21. And they are so strong that w- they think they are so strong that wickedness is no threat to them. Verse 22. All right. Now, I hope that just in that quick reading of those things, uh, maybe y- you saw what I saw, that that just sort of seemed like it could be talking about people today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Monty, uh, who is here uh, from time to time, they're out in Wyoming today. And uh, he sent me a message. Uh, said uh, he was looking forward to the or It sounded like an interesting topic. He said every one of those apply. The United yeah. States. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and uh, I'm uh, sure that he just glanced at that list and saw that and said, "Wow, what a what a a close uh, parallel we have." Yeah, John from Oklahoma is in the chat room and he's already giving us a little uh, uh, play on words. He says it's going to be a woeful study. Uh, well, it will because Isaiah was pronouncing woes, and you know. I think we, we might just comment on that. You know, it is necessary for us to deal with the warnings that are in Scripture. A lot of people these days are of the opinion we should just deal with the things that are positive, that make us feel good. We certainly wouldn't want to talk about anything that, whoa, woe is me. But the Bible is full of that sort of thing. And we'd be we'd just be neglecting uh, a large part of God's revelation if we failed to discuss things that he said were woeful. Yeah. 
And and he and he presented those to people in the Old Testament because he wanted them to realize the condition they were in, and we need to realize that as well. When we're not in harmony with God's will, we need to hear these these disturbing messages, and they were disturbing then. They need to be disturbing now. Yeah, I I think you know certainly we want to strike a balance. We don't want to just be doom and gloom all the time, and and I think sometimes we're accused of that, and we don't want that to be the case. We need to talk about the positive and comforting messages of the Scripture for sure, but. We definitely have to understand that God has warned what will happen if we are not compliant to his will. All right. We look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at com. Isaiah chapter 5 does talk about the sin of uh, Judah, but uh, there is... Uh, some so many there are so many parallels we want to talk about. First thing you notice when you look at uh, Isaiah chapter five is that God, in verse one, there had given uh, Judah every opportunity to be faithful, fruitful, and abound as He had cared and provided for them so abundantly. So yeah, let's that, read that. He said, "I will sing uh, to my well beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill." And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. And so the, he paints a picture there, the idea that he had blessed the nation of Judah abundantly and and, and done lots of good things for them. And now they're rejecting him. They had no excuse. And, and, there, and there really was no excuse for that. And certainly that would be an appropriate parallel to America today. We live in the most blessed place in the history of time. Right. Uh, nobody has had the prosperity, long-term well-being that America has enjoyed, I think. Now, Chris is in UK. He might He might quibble with me a bit on that because cer- certainly England as well has been blessed for a long time with goods yep. and prosperity. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, accommodating uh, uh, reference to your location, but certainly we've been very well blessed, like Judah was blessed. But, unfortunately, there's been a great ignoring of God and his will, and, and we got, we've got to set up and take notice. You know, I think that we're foolhardy if we don't realize God punished Judah. God punished nations all through the history that's recorded in the Bible when they rejected him, he did not let them endure forever. He brought a punishment upon them. And, uh, and we just would be ignoring reality if we thought that he wouldn't do the same thing to us if we continue to ignore him. We look forward to hearing from you, 877-381-4567. Join in the, the discussion tonight as we look at these parallels in Isaiah chapter 5 to what we're seeing today. The first of those parallels that you highlighted for us we find in verses 8 and 9. Yeah, uh, in verses 8 and 9, he talks about the fact that they had become very materialistic. He said, Woe unto them that join house to house, that they may lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitant. And so uh, Isaiah talks about them building their big houses joining houses to houses and fields to fields. In other words, that, that's the expression of their materialistic view. They were just wanting more, yeah. and they were going about to get it. All right. And uh, there certainly is a, a parallel today as we see materialism that is rampant in our society today, and, and that seems to be our our judge, Anthony, of uh, whether or not uh, things are right with us spiritually as well. What's my paycheck look like? How's that bank account doing and, and those investments? Right. I think we, you know, it's become so popular to link physical prosperity to uh, to spiritual health, maybe, if you will, and um, the, the two don't always go together. All right. Hey, uh, this sort of goes along with what we talked about last week with that uh, Victoria Osteen yeah, uh, quote. Of course, that, of course that they, they teach that health yeah. and wealth gospel. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily be sympathetic to the message of the Osteens still, I think we 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 have to be on strong guard against materialism. Yeah, Jesus certainly. said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Yeah. And so if Jesus was warning people of his day concerning the danger of covetousness and materialism, well, it would certainly be appropriate for us because... Our prosperity is 
you know, way greater than theirs. And so if they needed a warning, and they obviously did, then we need even even more warnings about the dangers of materialism. All right. Ramona in Texas comments about the, the woe uh, pr- pronounced on Judah and the parallel to us today. Land grabbers buying acreage and house, foreclosures because you you want a big house, uh, the huge real estate market taking millions of dollars for big mansions. This is just greed. She cites another passage that I like, Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 5. So uh, Ramona's seeing that in our society as well, that uh, people are just grabbing and grabbing for more and more. And, uh, well, they, she mentions foreclosures and we well, yeah, not yeah. many years the, ago. The, 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 the collapse of the housing bubble uh, just a few years back when people had overextended themselves, you know, the, their desire for a, a bigger house. Well, that's sort of what Isaiah was talking about. They join house to house. So the desire for bigger houses made people attempt to buy things that they couldn't afford and they lost them. And so, that, you know, just evidence of the fact. They just screwed. <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's an illusion. It's almost like we're we're being, you know, we're falling victim to a to to an illusion that that Satan has put out there that stuff will make you happy, and you know, as we've said many times on the program, uh, corporate America is more than happy to remind you of all the things that you don't have and that you need. Right, right, and that's their <laughs> so, job, and they uh, they yeah. they do a lot of work to make sure that they're successful at that. Right, so we really have to work hard, um, especially the, more and more the technology. Um, takes you know becomes a part of our lives as more and more opportunities for advertisements and for things like that so it's just only, you know it's only going to get worse i would say all right to chris in the uk uh, he says he's going to comment with a uh, british slant tonight but uh, i'm thinking that chris that the, the conditions in your society are not much different than ours uh, he says the notion that you cannot live in your old age without a pension and you're a burden to your family with uh without life insurance or with life insurance i uh, he says, where uh, where is the faith in God to provide rather than laying up uh, in store many goods for many years so you can eat, drink, and be merry? And uh, Chris, well, Chris, is he's sort of touching there on a sacred cow, that being our our investments in our retirement. But certainly I'm afraid we need to be careful about uh, about those as well, as Chris indicates, that uh, we need to be careful that we're not just guilty of laying up goods for many years so we can sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, a new listener, Pam, and Pam, I'm not sure where you're listening from. You might let us know. But Pam says the decline, the evidence of this idea of materialism or covetousness, she says the decline in the house market because people wanted more than they could afford and the banks wanted everything the people could pay. Company slogans, bigger is better, applies to everything now. Uh, she references Deuteronomy 8.18 which says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Uh, we need to remember that our blessings are from God. He, what wealth and prosperity we enjoy comes from him. And actually, the next part of that is we should be good stewards of what he provides to us. All right. Um, and then she says, don't love things more than God, Mark 10, 17 through 31. Thank you, Pam, for those comments. And I like the reference in Deuteronomy chapter 8 because Israel was being warned they were going to go to a land of prosperity where everything would be, uh, you know, they'd have abundance. And God is warning them, you be careful when you go there that you don't allow these things to take your heart away from me. And it did take their heart away from God. And the same has happened with us, I'm afraid. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, John makes an interesting point in the chat room and i really agree john he says just a thought to consider i agree with the comparison or the parallel with america in general however to make a like for like comparison would to be make the comparison to christians god's people today who are living or live as described in isaiah 5 god's people then god's people now we must avoid the influence of the wicked world i think that's a, a really good observation we can make the application to american american general uh-huh. But the people who really should be paying attention to these warnings are God's people in America today. Uh, yeah, bingo there, John. Thank you. That's a good comment. And we need to we need to realize that we, as Christians, are in danger of allowing the world to influence us. Thank you, John, for that comment. Guest 402 in the chat room says, Ironic that people focus on bigger houses in this life when God promise us, promises us 
mansions in heaven if we obey his will. Uh, that's a that's an interesting perspective that we need to keep in mind is that uh, this world is not our home. Yeah, we need to see these things as only temporary and, and that we're just a, a sort of a, a passing through custodian of what God has blessed us with. And we shouldn't become the problem is, of course, we become so attached to it. You know, some people, some religious groups have actually taken the view that they should live uh, a, a very unmaterialistic life. You know, we talk about the Amish or the Mennonites or some others who through history have sort of deprived themselves of any sort of comforts or luxuries because their concern was we'll become too attached to this world. Yeah. It's a real danger. It's a legitimate danger. I, I don't agree with their approach to that to mandate or force people to live without electricity or live without a telephone or live without an automobile. I don't I don't see how those things could be enforced, but I certainly think that the mindset is uh, worth considering. They're they're really taking precautions to avoid becoming too attached to this world. We need to too. All right, it is a danger, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to be combating it. Uh, and uh, so we enjoy, uh, need to remember that. Chris from the UK in the chat room cites Job, and Job was a very wealthy man, but he had the right perspective on that. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we've got to make sure that we allow our, our perspective to be shaped by God's word and have that correct spiritual perspective on the physical blessings we enjoy. The people of Judah were guilty of valuing property more than God. And we in America have done the same. And Christians, I'm afraid, as John reminds us, can be guilty of this as well. We make sure that we have a right perspective on our possessions. Next up, after the break, they were guilty of a a partying, sensual lifestyle. And we'll talk about that. Uh, That seems to be prevalent in our culture and, well, sadly, among Christians as well. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View's Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. On every journey you take, you face choices. At every fork in the road, you make a choice. And it is those decisions that shape your life. It is important to do the right thing, and it is important to let others know that you're committed to doing the right thing. Unfortunately, men do not learn much from the lessons of history, and that is the most important of all the lessons of history. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we look at parallels between Isaiah chapter 5 and the nation of Judah with America today. And as uh, John has reminded us, more importantly, with Christians today, are there parallels that need to be heeded? And the next point that you called out from Isaiah chapter 5 was from verses 11 and 12. Yeah, and if if you're looking at your text in Isaiah chapter 5, they all start out with that word, woe. And so in in chapter 5 of Isaiah, verse 11, 12, woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial and the tabret and the pipe and the wine are in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. And so it seemed very clear that, as you said, uh, partying, sensuality, carnality were their, were their bywords, and they were ignoring God. They regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. So the way I put it in the update was, what about these people who live for partying and drinking? 
What about that? It seems to be uh, common in the world that we live in today as well, and sadly we know Christians are engaged in the same. Pam uh, says in her email, when you have no self-control, you become lost in the works of the flesh. The world uh, has has sold the dream that partying and drinking is required in order to enjoy life, the lifestyle of reality TV, entertainers, and musicians. And uh, appreciate that, Pam. Uh, that is the line that we're told by Satan, and our society has bought it. A hook, line, and sinker. Christians are following suit, sadly. Yeah, Ramona says there are many in the world who drink and just party all the time without giving God a thought because they are too wrapped up in pleasing themselves. This was one of the problems the Christians had, and she references 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, when it, when it Paul condemns the church at Corinth uh, uh, when they were even they, they were so carnal that they had actually abused the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, she, she concludes by saying, nothing good will come from seeking the sinful pleasures that this world has to offer. Thank you, Ramona, for that uh, comment. And then Chris in the U.K., uh, he references the sports lifestyle. He says, look at sports. European rugby is called the Heineken Cup. How many NASCARs look essentially like beer cans, uh, much like the F1 cars in the 80s looking like cigarette packets, not to mention one team today is called Red Bull. Uh, Johnny Walker Whiskey and Golf and uh, the uh, Carling Premiership Eng- English Soccer 17 million U.S. adults have alcohol use disorders, not to mention around 800,000 young people aged 12 to 17, with 88,000 people dying from it. Also, it costs your economy over 220 million. 10% of American children live in a household affected by alcohol abuse. Ultimately, the worst effect of this lifestyle is that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Also, Proverbs 20, verse 1, 23, 20, Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35 speak against it. Uh, uh, very good, Chris. Uh, there's some interesting statistics there that I had not seen. That's uh, yeah. uh, really sad. But, um, you know, Jacob, you and I have sort of been on a little bit of a campaign recently in in trying to combat what we think is a, a, a growing looseness in regards to the consumption of alcohol. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those stats that Chris just mentioned, I think, would be one of the arguments we would make against what is good about it. You know, if if – you know, if I can drink, and if it's a good thing to drink, then I ought to be promoting it. But the promoting of it causes those kinds of troubles and and woes uh, that are described there. It's not a good thing. It is not a good thing. Uh, that is one argument, and that's not even the most powerful argument we would make. There's lots of arguments against Christians consuming alcohol at in any amount. Um, and uh, we need to understand that the world is rubbing off on Christians. We're seeing it in the lives of Christians today as they begin to accept uh, the consumption of alcohol as being something that's okay, and, uh, well, we see the end of it here in Isaiah chapter 5. Yeah. Um, in First Peter chapter 4, a passage that we often make reference to, Peter says, uh, the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In other words, before we were Christians, before we were the people of God, mm-hmm. when we were uh, in sin, that basically I take that he's saying we wasted enough of our lifetime doing those things back then, and then he describes the things that they did when they when they were not in relationship with God, when they were in the world, when they were in sin. We walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. We have pointed out that. There's a there's a sort of an order, a descending order of de- degree or involvement in drinking there. And he says the Gentiles do these things, and we used to do these things. And he mentions excessive wine, which is an intoxication. Uh, he talks about revelings, which is a, a, a lower level of drinking. I think m- most commentators I've read after suggest that, that the revelings involved drinking parties, uh, Probably the idea of sort of getting a buzz. That's the word people use today, you know, yeah. sort of getting a yeah. buzz. But the word banquetings described a situation that uh, Greek lexicons suggest does not indicate any excess. It's, it's, it's a, a, literally a drinking or a tippling. And so uh, Peter says, 
the Gentiles do these things. They have their, they have, they get drunk. They have their drinking yep. parties. They have these social events where there is drinking, and and he says uh, that those are all things that we wasted our time doing before. But notice this, and then he goes on to say, verse four, wherein they, that is the world, the the non Christian world, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you. In other words, we're in, in regards to these things, including the consumption of alcohol, we're to live in such a fashion that the world thinks we're strange. Yeah. But I tell you, if we yield on this on this question of consuming alcohol, if we're just like they are in regards to the consumption of alcohol, they're not going to think we're strange. Right. They're, they're going to think we're fitting right in. Right. But Peter says they ought to be thinking you're strange yes. because you don't do what they do. All right. We've got to, there are all kinds of arguments we can make against it. One argument that I like is from Leviticus chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Instruction to the Levitical priest that they were to not consume alcohol. And there's a reason why they're told not to. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Do not drink wine or strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when thou go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. It shall be a, a statute forever throughout your generations. And that you may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. The priests were told, don't go into the tabernacle drinking alcohol, because it will hinder your judgment and your ability to discern from right and wrong. Yeah. And we're priests today, and we're continually on duty, and we are continually given the, the the task of discerning between right and wrong. Alcohol impairs the ability to do such, and as, as such, Christians need to avoid it. Yeah, and we need to we need to give a very certain sound about that. We we shouldn't be raising doubt. You know, uh, several preachers that we that we have heard of uh, are taking the position that they say. Preach, not just preachers, but other Christians as well are saying, well, I don't drink, but I don't think that you can say it's wrong to drink yeah. a little. Yeah. Well, why don't you drink then? Yeah. And if it's a good thing to do, why don't you promote it and yeah. encourage it? Yeah. You know, uh, but by giving that uncertain that, sound, you're just you're, giving. You are promoting it. And we see it evident in the life of Christians today who are heeding that instruction and they're following the way uh, of the world. And they're they're consuming alcohol, and they're fought, they're going down that road, and they're ending up in the same place we see people in Isaiah chapter five ending up. Exactly right. Uh, so you know, we're just saying, you know, you know I, I knew an example of a of a preacher who talked about dancing, and it, in his sermon, his conclusion about dancing was, well, I, I can't say for sure what you'll just have to decide for yourself whether you think it's right. And or he wrong. probably got down from the pulpit and said, Hey, I didn't condone dancing. But you know what happened? He, Every he, kid in that yeah. congregation went to the prom. He condoned he, it. Because he, he signed off on it. Right, right. And we just can't afford to be given that uncertain sound. All right. There's another argument uh, quickly we need to take a break. First uh, Peter chapter five verse eight Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The word sober there, uh, the Greek word, means to be free from the influence of intoxicants. I would tell you, you can't be free from the influence of intoxicants if you're consuming the intoxicants. Uh, but just on a uh, cursory level here, uh, let's uh, let's assume that we were in the room with a real live roaring lion. How many people would uh, say, well, you know, I'm just going to have a little bit of, of wine here with my dinner while that lion's over there in the corner? Uh, just a little bit. Just take the edge off. And I'm not going to get drunk. I'm just going to take the edge off and sort of lighten up a little bit here. Have a good time. How many people are going to be consuming that wine while that lion's in the room? I'd, got, I'd tell you, not one person is going to say, "I want a little bit of." Because uh, I, 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 I want to be on my, I want to be to, on my toes. I want to be as sharp as I can be yeah. to avoid that danger. Yeah. Well, the same is true spiritually. Yeah. Uh, we have a roaring lion that's in the room with us all the time, and we need to be on guard. Yeah, and so so that would uh, pretty good argument, Jacob, to argue against drinking anyway, drinking out in public or drinking in the privacy of my home, drinking anywhere. Right. Because when I drink, I diminish my soberness and my watchfulness against the the threat of the devil. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Anthony, any comments on your side tonight? No, I mean I think you I think you covered it well. All right. You uh, made a comment about uh, the Amish. There. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, just kind of backtracking to our point about materialism, the more I think about it as time goes by, I think the perfect situation in my head at least would be to, you know, we've been given so many blessings, so many of us, and, and you know, I think that God expects us, as we said, to be good stewards of those things and kind of the things like the parable of the talents comes to mind where we need to be, 
making use of those resources, not just hoarding them for ourselves. But there's so many people out there who need our help, and we're clearly responsible as Christians to help those who are in need. And uh, I think that would be a much better use of our resources yeah. than, than just hoarding them. Yeah, and so uh, another danger of materialism is it keeps us from fulfilling God's clear instructions to be a benevolent Right. people. Right. Right. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Sure. And uh, let's go ahead and get a break of this week's bullet point. And when we get back, well, we've got to do a little, go a little faster, but uh, they were laughing and scoffing at the idea of sin and judgment, sort of spitting in God's face. Yeah, that's face. the next one we'll talk about. And certainly we see that in our society today. Sadly, we're seeing it in the lives of Christians, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Many religious groups use a variety of carnal appeals to draw people to their assemblies. For instance, there are suppers and ice cream socials, ball games and entertainment events, and so forth. When asked to justify these activities, they will commonly refer to the episodes where Jesus fed the multitudes. Some have said, quote, if you first feed a man's body, then you'll have a chance to feed his soul. Let's see if their reference to Jesus' activity really support their practices. There were two separate instances in which Jesus miraculously fed huge crowds of people with small quantities of food. One time there were 5,000 men plus women and children. And on another occasion, there were 4,000 men plus women and children. The accounts are found in Matthew 14 and 15, in Mark 6, and Luke 9, and John 6. In both of those instances, the people had followed Jesus to hear his marvelous teaching and to see his amazing miracles. There had never been a promise of food to draw them. In fact, both episodes show the people following long distances and for a long time before they were offered food. For example, in Matthew 15, verse 32, we read, quote, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue now with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Do you see this? The people were not lured to follow by an offer of food. The food came afterwards as an act of compassion. The people had not come in anticipation of being fed. We have one reference where Jesus did suspect that the people came with a desire for receiving food. That's in John 6, beginning verse 22. It's interesting that on that occasion, Jesus did not feed them. Those who would use the example of Jesus feeding the multitudes to justify their carnal practices today are simply wrong. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or collegeu.com, as you saw on your screen during the break. And uh, you can find out more about us, more about the Virtual Bible Study, and you can podcast sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ recently. More information is available to you at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we welcome your comments at any time, and we encourage your suggestion for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. Send your questions or your suggestions to questions at collegeview.com. Well, the premise of our lesson tonight and our discussion on the Virtual Bible Study is Isaiah made certain warnings. In a famous text in Chapter 5 of Isaiah, he expressed six woes on Jerusalem and Judah and the, the the notion that we're pursuing tonight is seems like those warnings apply to us. Yeah. So now think about that. What happened to Jerusalem and Judah? Well, God yeah. allowed them to be taken away in captivity. Their nation taken yeah. down. Yeah. So if we don't listen to those woes and warnings, why would we think God would do differently in in regards to us? That's that's sort of the application we're trying to make. John has made a good sort of refining of that point. He's driven it home for us. especially appropriate to Christians in America. And, again, uh, a tip of the hat to Chris in U.K. because I think he faces the same kind of threats over there uh, that we face in America. All right. And, uh, all right, uh, 877-381-4567. Chris is not going to be – I'm afraid Chris is not going to be guilty of uh, rising up early in the morning there, as verse 11 says of Isaiah chapter 5, as he's up about 2 well, o'clock in I the noticed morning that, tonight. Yeah, I noticed in the in the chat room when he signed on, he said, good morning, yeah. you know, because it's morning <laughs> Maybe he, in Maybe he has risen yeah. up very early yeah, in the morning. Yeah. We're glad that you're with us, Chris. And uh, All right, let's move quickly to the next of this. This is woe number 3 in Isaiah chapter 5, and it's contained in verses 18 and 19. 
Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. The idea of they, they, they draw iniquity with cords of vanity, sin as it were in a cart. No, no words. They're they're automating sin. We don't want to say they're they're really getting involved. It's not enough just to walk. You, you, not enough to just to carry it in your hands. You got to get a cartload of it. You got to pull it along. You know, you got you got to really get involved. Yeah. And then the idea was, uh, let's see God do something about it. Yeah. You know, let let God come here. We'd like yeah. to see what he. You know. Yeah. In other words, they they were heavily involved in sin and scoffing at the idea of judgment for what they had done. Yeah. I think that's the idea. Laughing in God's face. You got another version there? Uh, Yeah, I'll pull up. uh, Let's see, the New King James Version here. Uh, It says, uh, Woe to them, woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if it were a cart rope that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. So very close there to yeah, what you said. Yeah, very similar word. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's, let's see if we can pull up another one here that uh, might be a little bit different. Uh, well, pretty much all the same. Okay, Pam says in response to this notion, in other words, we're trying to see how would how would that describe people today. Well, I think we've got a lot of people today uh, who just sort of laugh at the concept that we would try to teach that there are things that God's word condemns and that if you if you commit these sins, God will judge you for those sins. Ugh, they just pass that off. You know, that, that means nothing to them. Even those who are claiming to be religious, what's that book called? Love Wins we talked about uh, not too long ago. You know, there, there is no hell. And don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, again, yeah, that's a very good point. Those who even deny, and there's a, a, a fairly significant percentage of people these days who deny the the existence of hell. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. All right. Uh, Pam says, today's sin, uh, today's sin have the approval of society, which give people false truths. Since people do not use God's word to guide their life, pleasure becomes the guide, thinking they can enjoy now and change later. Uh, certainly, Pam, thank you for that. And, well, sadly, Christians are tempted to think that way as well. Ramona says, we have to be very careful today not to think we're wiser than we are. This is especially easy for us today because we have a wealth of knowledge available to us with just a few clicks of the mouse. This could ever be a bigger problem today than it was for the Jews back then. All right, so wise in our own conceits is the idea. Yeah. And the Bible warns against that. I didn't look up that verse, but uh, somebody in the chat room might find it for me. Chris, Warning about being wise in our uh, in our own eyes. Chris in the U.K. says uh, indicates that... Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Uh, well, Anthony, sort of give him the idea of a, a gay pride parade. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking, you know, not that specifically, but when I was reading, uh, where where did I go? Uh, verse 19, where it says, Let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. It almost gave me the idea of putting sin on parade, basically, yeah, and, yeah. and celebrating sin and taking enjoyment and entertainment out of it and we and certainly do that open rebelliousness right rebellion against god well yeah and 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 uh, you know the idea of the word parade brings to mind you know uh fat tuesday in new orleans uh or the right, gay right. pride parades yeah. and so forth yeah. yeah all right uh and so chris in his email tonight says militant atheism is on the rise with the debacle in the democratic convention's vote on their stance on god which allowed vocal no being made to be a yes. Uh, TV shows illustrated by your w, uh, yeah, WSIN skit uh, that we'll be playing here in the next uh, break, by the way, Chris, uh, having heroes who are serial killers, uh, Dexter, don't know about that, con artist, uh, U.S. Leverage, U.K. Hustle. That's a couple of TV shows, I'm assuming. Okay, Cannibalist, uh, Crime Lords, The Sopranos, uh, not to mention video games that uh, ask you to commit a crime or atrocities that would uh, barely uh, be thought of putting on the screens. Hell is reduced to an idea and can be compared to you have to say have a long wait to see an unhelpful clerk at the DMV. Uh, I hope that's the equivalent of your DVLA, the car license people. It is, uh, Chris. You got it right there. But yeah, people people are talking about referring to things as being hell. 
uh, all the time. And, uh, well, let me tell you, that's nothing like what uh, the real hell will be. Great. Yeah. Anthony. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, I think he really touches on, too, there, the, just the 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 depths that we've sunk into as a society as far as what, where we gain our entertainment is just unbelievable. And the video games especially – you know, we and we sit back and we, you know, we scratch our heads and we say, why are people shooting each other all the time? And why are kids, you know, taking guns to school? And it's like, because they do it for fun. It's it's in the video games. It's yeah. in the movies, the TV. Guns are cool. Guns are glamorous. And, and Christians are justifying this type of entertainment, Anthony, by saying, well, right. it's not that big a deal. Right. So, but it's repulsive to God, and it should be to us as well. Yeah, it's hard for us to keep our, I mean, it, it, well... We have to keep our standard where God sets the standard. It's not a moving scale like our culture wants it to be. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we, I think all those observations are are spot on, and I think they they really do describe the situation that exists today, where people pretty much uh, believe they're too good to worry about any idea of sin or God's judgment against sin. Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, is in the chat room tonight, and Randy, uh, well. There have been better times to have been in Swartz Creek, Michigan, because it's about to get really cold up there. Yeah. Uh, you're, the, the prime time is over, I'm afraid, for you guys up in Michigan. God always must be first in our life, Randy says. Matthew 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And Randy tells us we've got to keep our priorities straight. I think that's exactly right. Let's grab another one here, Jacob. These next couple are all pretty similar uh, to the idea that we were just describing. But uh, the next woe in Isaiah chapter 5 is in verse 20. Isaiah 5:20. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I think that's probably one of the better known verses in that yes. text. Yes. And we've referenced it many times. But now I think you could probably come up with just a whole lot of examples of people doing that in America today. Uh, for instance, uh, the one that just sort of jumps off the page to me is the idea of, of religious, so-called religious people who are endorsing homosexuality. Not only are they endorsing homosexuality, they are villainizing those who would say homosexuality is wrong. So haven't they just done that? They call evil good and call good evil. Flip the table they, upside they exactly down. Yeah. They just exactly did that. They just exactly did that. I never have gotten over Jacob uh, uh probably two or three years ago when we interviewed that Presbyterian preacher who had just returned from the national convention in which they voted to, uh, using their words, ordain openly gay ministers in the Presbyterian church. He voted for it. And I'll never forget that you asked him at one point in our interview, because we were pointing out that the scriptures clearly condemn this. Yeah. And and you ask him, do you believe you know more than Jesus knew? Well, I started out asking him if he knew more than the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was so outspoken, and the answer was yes. Well, I thought if he answered it, that in the affirmative, what about Jesus? And, yeah. well, the answer was, yeah, he thought he knew more than Jesus about homosexuality. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah amazing. But, but that's certainly, I think, probably the classic modern-day example of calling evil Good and good evil. Yeah, but there's other, there are other oh, things. Oh, we've too. gone with divorce and remarriage as well. I mean, Christians are uh, justifying it today as well and saying things like, "Well, how could a loving God not want me to be happy?" They've mm-hmm. called, well, in effect, called God evil and themselves good. Yeah. Uh, so all, all kinds of examples. Uh, Chris in UK says there was once a time when a comic would lose ten percent of his fee if he blasphemed. Now they would be in a mountain of debt. Exactly right. All right. Uh, uh, if you watch TV, the the person, you know, almost so many of the shows deal with the homosexual theme and so forth. And then there's somebody who is mean, ugly, to be hated. It's not the homosexual. It's the person who would say anything against the homosexual. It's just it's just rampant. Hey, and let's get it down even on uh, on simple. Well. That's not. It's all sinful terms, but things that we would think would be rather uh, innocuous today. 
What about uh, well, Anthony? Uh, the, for years, the, uh, the the joke on sitcoms has been the father figure. He's been, he, you know, he when he tries to lead the family, he's the buffoon who can't do anything right, and it's the kids in the family who are the heroes who are, who are leading right. the family. Uh, th- they're calling good evil and, and uh, evil good. Right. Yeah. Or you know, the kids. It's it's so funny, and you know, for the kids to be so rebellious and disrespectful right. and. That used to, I, you know, even just the little kid shows or so-called family-friendly shows that we would, when the kids were younger, that would just burn me up. I did not want my kids <laughs> watching other kids being disrespectful to their parents. Yeah, yeah. But that's entertainment. And uh, we go to the Andy Griffith show. We come to that all the time. But you know, oh, the, wow, the, those yeah. people who are lying oh, are man. the ones it's who like are the doing the good because every they're episode. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah almost every episode. <laughs> yeah, they're, but they're um, the ones that are doing good right. by doing, telling the lies. Pam, right. Pam says uh, the biz, biggest example would be gay marriage, acceptance of false doctrine, recreational use of drugs and alcohol. The idea of Robin Hood, the belief that stealing is okay because you're going to give there it to someone go. who's oppressed, making money, a living by any means necessary. All right. Okay. And uh, we have uh, from Ramona, uh, this all goes back to the Garden of Eden. What God called evil, he called good. God said, 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 God said to Adam and Eve that if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would die. The devil said the exact opposite. Uh, and Satan has been reversing nearly everything God has said ever since. God uh, was right. Adam and Eve died. They died spiritually the moment they disobeyed and physically some years later. Uh, also, uh, she references uh, John chapter 3, verse 19. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Thank you, Ramona. Yeah. And Chris uh, says uh, uh, homosexual is seen, homosexuality is seen as normal, but the priest is seen as sinister or evil when he condemns it. Virginity is seen as a bad thing, but sleeping around makes you cool. Do I need to say that calling a mass genocide where the U.S. has killed more people than my country's population in the name of being pro-choice uh, legislation is so-called of a recreational drug? Uh, uh, if you want something weird, possibly ironic, our, uh, our prime minister will not allow heterosexual civil partnerships because, and get this, it will undermine marriage, but gay marriage doesn't. So and a calling evil. So good. we're all twisted up here. Yeah, we yeah we're in a mess. We, we we're in a big even, mess. We can't. We don't know up from down and right from wrong, uh, because uh, we have uh, gone so far astray. Quickly before the break, guest four hundred two in the chat room says there was a time when preachers and Christians would advise people to stay away from a movie with one cuss word in it, and now it's not uncommon to hear people say a movie is good because it didn't have too many cuss words, etc. Amen to that. Four hundred two Christians are saying ah, it wasn't that bad of a movie. Uh, well, there was a, there was some language in it, and uh, well, there was a, a little bit of nudity. But it was a good movie. You ought to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell God that. I don't think God would have the same estimation. And, uh, well, if we're trying to be God, then we need to have the same opinion he has. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll get your thoughts. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN. It's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A study from the University of Texas at Austin investigated what people over 50 believe as compared to younger people. Do you believe in space aliens? Over 50, 14%. Younger people, 27%. Do you believe in ghosts? Over 50, 18%. Younger people, 33%. Do you believe in astrology? 
Over 50, just 10%, but younger people, 19%. Do you believe in Bigfoot? People over 50, 12%. Younger people, 22%. Do you believe in angels? People over 50, 57%. Younger people, only 46%. Do you believe in heaven? Older people, 58%. Younger folks, 56%. That information is via AARP, the magazine. The Word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program as we go to the top of the hour looking at parallels between Isaiah 5 and, uh, well, America today. And we're finding many of them. Yeah, so in Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah expressed six woes against Jerusalem and uh, uh, Judah. We're playing off of that to suggest that the kind of things that Isaiah was warning the nation of Judah about, our nation and Christians within our nation need to be warned. All right. Randy in uh, Michigan says, unless we put Jesus first in everything, we are not worthy to be his disciple. Uh, and Chris from UK says, uh, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Amen to both of those comments. Thank you for them yeah. tonight. All right, real quickly, we've got a, just a few minutes here. The last two woes, the, number five, verse 21 in Isaiah 5, woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. There's a, there's, a, there's a direct warning about that in the New Testament. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul said, I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as go- according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. A specific warning in the yes, New Testament absolutely. about that. Absolutely. And we're seeing that in people making up their own rules uh, who have decided that they know better than God, as we talked earlier. And, uh, well, they're the ultimate uh, the, the ultimate standard of what's right and what's wrong. You know, I... I I see this, and it, it, uh, it always is sort of alarming to me. You know, even in regards to our study of the Bible, somebody will come along and suggest that they have discovered some new way to view this this text. You know, uh, nobody ever thought of this before I did, is the impression that they give. You know, that I've, I've come up with something new. Well, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of really smart people have been studying the Bible for a long, long time. Yeah. And and I really think it's presumptuous of me to imagine that for 2,000, you're talking about the New Testament, for instance, for 2,000 years this has escaped the recognition of some really brilliant scholarly people, but I have figured it out. Yeah. Don't you think that that would be a classic example of being wise in your own eyes? Well, and I think it's a, it, it, it portrays itself in our Bible classes sometimes as a, as a congregation where someone uh, wants to throw out some type of theory, uh, maybe on on, a, on an issue of morality. Of, you know, the, the, they, they've they've figured out something that nobody else has figured out that would give license to do some type of thing, and they throw it out there, and and then uh, then they study on it for a little while, and later they decide, well, I was wrong about that. But in the meantime, they've uh, they've disrupted the faith of, of many younger Christians, perhaps in that audience, who who are now disturbed about uh, whatever the issue was that they threw out there in their sort of in their so-called wisdom. Um, Pam says in email, people claim to know what God does and does not want based upon their opinion instead of God's word. Yes, men have created their own creeds and doctrines. I think that's right. That's and to go right, take Pam. that one step further. They've they've recreated God in their image. Yeah, and and what they've done is they look at God's word, and if they can understand why He would give them that instruction, then they'll do it. But if the instruction doesn't make any sense to them or doesn't seem to be in their benefit, well, then certainly God wouldn't want that from me, so I must not be understanding it correctly. Yeah. And yeah. so what we've done is we've made ourselves wise in our own eyes. Ramona refers to the Garden of Eden again and the temptation of uh, Satan to Eve in Genesis three five. Uh, suggesting that the reason she should eat of the forbidden fruit is because her eyes would be opened and she would be like a god and she wanted that uh romans chapter 1 verse 22 professing themselves to be wise they became fools uh proverbs 3 7 be not wise in thine own eyes fear the lord depart from evil proverbs 3 7 trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not to thy own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path 
And uh, Chris in the UK in the chat room has signed in with what is true is not rarely new and what is new is not rarely true. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, certainly true. Thank you, Chris. And he says in his email, I can't speak for you, but a country that thinks it can say to its children that they are no more than sophisticated apes and then balk at the fact that they act like animals surely can't be wise. Didn't Hitler say, uh, who owns the youth gains the future? A people who does not learn from its history is doomed to repeat it. The height of insanity is to keep repeating the same thing and expect a different result. Very well said. Uh, okay. There we go. All right. Quickly. Just about out of time. The last of the six woes in Isaiah 5. Now, Isaiah had a lot to say. Obviously, Isaiah is a long book. 66 chapters in Isaiah. But we're just dealing with the the six woes of chapter 5. The last of them is in verse 22. Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. In other words, I, I took the way I worded that. Of course, the specific under consideration is the consumption of alcohol there. But the way I took that was that these these people thought they were so strong that they could they could play around with these things and not be harmed by it. Mm-hmm. They were so strong that sin was not a danger to them. They, nothing bad could happen to them, yeah. so to speak. They can look it in the face. No and I problem. tell you, just as soon as we begin to think that way, we're just setting ourselves up immediately for a fall. I think. Yeah. Uh, in First Corinthians. Chapter 10, verse 12, Paul says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Yeah. By the time you think you can't, you will. Yeah. And uh, Pam is along those, line, along those lines. says, All addictions start off as uh, one try will not make me addicted. I can quit when I'm ready. Nothing will have a hold of me. And exactly. so Pam's along the same lines. There. Exactly right. And uh, Chris in the U.K., uh, says, can I say Nebuchadnezzar on his porch in 9-11 and 7-7 would be a spanner in that one for you? If we both had to pay our debts tomorrow, both our countries would be crushed. All right. All right. Uh, and Ramon, Ramona says, um, drunkards could could not get behind the wheel of a car, but today we have over 100,000 deaths every year because men and women drinking under the influence of alcohol. Yet this is another one of those areas where people have a tendency to call evil good. Also, we hear from time to time how those in charge will take bribes to let evil men and women get off scot-free. It can be very tempting when you are high up to uh, when you are high to accept bribes. Okay. I, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. All and right. did we get Chris's there? We did. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and I, I think that that I, I really do think that's an enormous danger when I think that th- this this is no threat to me. No. You know, we, we are constantly at threat. <laughs> now, admittedly. There are some things that are more of a temptation to me than other things. Mm-hmm. I have my weakness may not be your weakness, mm-hmm. but almost immediately when I say that could never happen to me, I've put myself in danger letting that happen. And uh, yeah, and the, the, the idea that I can, I can handle this, I can deal, I, I can have this sin in my life, and just sort of, I can just sort of keep it around, and it, it won't be that big a deal. I, I'm reminded of a, a time when a young man that we knew was thinking about marrying this gal who was not a Christian. And uh, he 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 was giving the impression I think I can handle it you know I think I can marry this girl who's not a Christian and it won't be a threat to my spirituality I'm just really choking up that's okay that's all right yeah, yeah. Um, but then but uh, my question what to him was you think you're wiser than Solomon yeah uh, you know so- Solomon in his wisdom couldn't handle that threat yeah. and you think you can yeah you might have caught something on an airplane today yeah. Anthony uh, the idea though is that you know it's not that big a deal. Right. I mean, I, I just keep, you know, I'm always reminded of, uh, you know, Peter when, when he said, you know, I, you know, all these might forsake you, but I'll, you know, I'll never forsake you. And then, of course, he, we all know what happened, yeah, went on to happen. Never happen. So. It'll never happen to me, right. so to speak, and it did. All right. Well, we had a good discussion tonight. Certainly some woes that we need to consider. Yeah, I, I, I think all of us would do well to go back and reread Isaiah chapter 5 because it just it really it really strikes close to home. All right. So it, it, it portrays perhaps a scary future for America. But what's more important, it's, it portrays a scary future for those who are Christians. Who That's right. Are and I really do appreciate John's observation yeah. in yeah. the chat room that the real the real parallel to that text is not America in general, but Christians in America specifically. 
And you got some get well wishes in the chat room all the way across the pond. Yeah, just Chris. I don't know. You use this expression, Chris. I got a frog in my throat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Anthony, thanks for taking time to be with us tonight. No problem. Yeah, Glad th- to do it. Yeah, thank you for your thanks, time as thanks, well. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for joining us. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.